I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hey everyone, welcome to Let's Get Civical. This is the podcast that breaks down politics, government structure, and dives into the context of current events, but in a super fun way. I'm Lizzie Stewart, comedian, feminist, and political junkie. And I'm Arden Wallentowski, former Senate intern, campaign staffer, and political strategist. In this episode, we're talking about the discovery of King Tut's tomb. So grab your gold coffin. And let's get civical. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Let's Get Civical. I am Lizzie Stewart. And I am Arden Wallentowski. And it is 2023. How do you feel? Ah, I feel uneasy. I do feel uneasy. <laughs> I've, t- I've told you this before. Odd yes. number years makes me make me feel uneasy. I, yes, they're not your friend. Yeah. They're not my friend. I mean, I don't know if they're not my friend. There's just something about them where I'm like... I don't know. I'm unsure. I'm unsure about odd numbered years. Sure. But that's not to say I haven't had good odd Mm -hmm. numbered years. I just notice when it's an odd number. It does feel a little more crazy than an even numbered year. Yeah. But now that I think about it, I was born in an odd numbered year. Me too. 
Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Let's let's sort of psychoanalyze my own fears. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. But this is the first episode of 2023. We did yes. it, y'all. We're in a new year. Yes, we made it. We made it. We're two episodes away from our 200th episode, which is I crazy. don't even believe that. I think you're lying. I've definitely blacked out for 50 of them. Um, oh, for sure. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Yeah. But we just want to say thank you for being on this ride with us. If you are new, hey, welcome. And if you have been with us for a long time, thank you. And it's good to see you again. I will start this by saying and reminding that you can always rate, review, and subscribe to us because we love hearing from you. Um, and it makes us feel really happy when we it see does. reviews. So do that. Do that. A belated holiday gift, a happy new year gift. Ooh, yeah. Ooh, rate, yeah. Rate, review, subscribe. Yum, yum, do yum. It, do it for us. Do it for you. Do it for the world. The world. Speaking of the world, we're doing, we're starting in a really wild place this year, but I was telling Arden before we started recording, it is to me such a valid episode for what we do. Why? (laughs) Why, you ask? Because every single one of us across the continental United States, in our education, in our history education were taught about King Tut for some reason. It's so true. It is so true. I like have vivid, vivid memories. And I know everybody has vivid, vivid memories of like their third or fourth or fifth grade unit on (laughs) Egypt and King Tut. Yeah. So because this is such an integral part (laughs) of our civics and history as youths of america Mm -hmm. we're gonna do it on this podcast that's awesome i didn't even think about it from that perspective but yeah Mm. like when i was doing the research for this i was like he was like a young a very young man young buck young Mm -hmm. buck and the, the information on him was like yeah he didn't really do much he wasn't really that prolific but we found his tomb well, yeah, it's all about the tomb. Yes, it was all about it's the tomb. All about he had a great tomb. He had a great tomb, and that's enough. That's enough. That's stuff yeah. that lives forever. Truly, truly. I mean, the, he's he's the he's like the perfect embodiment of the phrase "do less." Do less. Less is more. Less, less is, is more. more. All he had to do was die, and uh-huh. that was enough. Skyrocket. Three thousand years later skyrocketed to fame although i will say do you talk about the curse at all no <gasps> okay okay well then you can talk you talk about the curse. you talk okay. about the curse. i'll say that i'll say that for a, a classic a classic lizzie unauthorized fun fact yes! where it's like 50 percent truth two percent inaccuracies and like 48 percent gabagool you know what i mean right, like right, it'll, right. we'll we'll get there great Shall we jump into yes. the discovery of King Tut's tomb? Yes. Should we do sources? Yes. Let's do sources. First is history.com. We cannot start the year without her. No. 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 
And then two wonderful articles in National Geographic, one by Simon Ingram, who had a great one on Howard Carter, who discovered King Tut's tomb and that whole Mm -hmm. process. And then one by Brad Scriber, which had a lot of like fun facts and info about how Carter discovered the tomb and what it looked like and what was inside. Three sources. Yeah. Love it. So let's jump into it. Let's talk about, first and foremost... The main event, the discovery of his tomb. British archaeologist Howard Carter and his workmen discovered a step leading to the tomb of King Tutankhamun in the Valley of Kings in Egypt on November 4th, 1922. When Carter first arrived in Egypt in 1891, most of the ancient Egyptian tombs had been discovered, though the little-known King Tutankhamun, who had died when he was 18, was still unaccounted for. So, the I mean, especially the British, they just went to Egypt and they just, you could call it oh. ransacked. Mm-hmm. Ransacked ancient Egypt and did a whole, there was like this big push to discover ancient artifacts in this time. Oh, yes, and then take them. Steal and, them. and then surely take them. And then surely you paid, take them. Surely take them because the, he who pays for the expedition gets to steal from the graves. That's Correct. how it went. Correct. After World War I, Carter began an intensive search for King Tut's tomb, finally finding the steps to the burial room hidden in the debris near the entrance of the nearby tomb of King Ramses VI in the Valley of the Kings. <sighs> okay. I have to give a shout out to the name, the Valley of the Kings. Oh, it's great. It's great. Great name. Great Tells name. You everything, everything you, need, you, to you know. need to know. You can picture it. I can mm-hmm. picture the Valley of the Kings mm-hmm. and I don't need a picture. It's in my brain. I don't need a picture because I can picture it. Great name. Great name. So Howard Carter was like, I got to find this tomb. I'm looking for this tomb. We have all these other tombs, but I know this 18-year-old is lying in wait somewhere. Somewhere. Then he ends up finding a a step, a single step. Imagine. Imagine imagine you look at a step and you're like, where does this step go? That's King Tut's tomb. I would know that step anywhere. Anywhere. On November 26, 1922, Carter and fellow archaeologist Lord Carnarvon entered the interior chambers of the tomb, finding them miraculously intact. Here's an unauthorized fun fact already. Lord <gasps> Carnarvon, that um, title is for the person, the earl. Yeah, yeah. Who owns Highclere Castle, which is Downton Abbey. Oh, what? Oh, now, my gosh. So at Highclere Castle, there's a whole, like, section of it that's... That has, like, stuff about King Tut's tomb because Lord Carnarvon, who was at the yes. time the Earl, who owned Highclere Castle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. I went, I went to Highclere Castle in, I can't even remember. Let's just say 2012. Maybe it was mm-hmm. that. I can't remember. The show was still on. It was in its early seasons. But, yes, I, now that you say that, I remember that. And I, w- I remember thinking... Why? Question mark. What's with all of the Egypt stuff? <laughs> Why are we? Okay, I'm just gonna assume okay, cool. because English, Egypt, it, maybe there's like a love <laughs> affair connection. Don't really understand. Sure, sure, sure. Yep. So they find the interior chambers because again, these tombs—they it's like a full 
six six bedrooms, three bath situation mm-hmm. where they bury these tombs. So they find the interior ones and they're like, holy moly. Holy crap. This looks great. This yep. looks so good. So after they find the interior chambers, they began a monumental excavation process in which Carter carefully explored the four-room tomb over several years, uncovering an incredible collection of several thousand objects. So four rooms, a four-room tomb, perfect amount of space. Perfect amount of space. The most splendid architectural find was a stone sarcophagus containing three coffins nested within each other. Inside the final coffin, which was made out of solid gold, was the mummy of the boy king Tutankhamun, which was preserved for more than 3,000 years. Most of these treasures, not all of them, are now housed at the Cairo Museum. Others are elsewhere. Where, aka probably in the UK. <laughs> probably in the UK, although down, I think later, there's a, uh, like towards the end of the notes about the excavation, it does say that most of the stuff, If I mean, I think it was left in Egypt because Egypt was really mad at the U- at England at the time. Sure, I mean, I get it. fought to keep the artifacts in the home country. Good for Egypt. Good for Egypt. So let's talk about King Tutankhamun. He was a brief and largely unremarkable leader. Perfect. Same. According to Nat Geographic. Yes. Absolutely. I, you know what? Here's, this is a crazy thing. I love this kid. I Mm -hmm. love him. I love him, except he probably did a lot of shady stuff in his short 18 years, because let's face it, these (laughs) guys are not great. Because he was an 18-year-old boy. 18-year-old boy with all of the power in the world. Bad idea. Bad idea. However, I am obsessed with the legacy of doing a literally nothing and being the most remembered king of Egypt. Right. Top three, easily. Top top three. I mean, who else do we know? Cleopatra. Cleopatra, that's, yes, that's right. And... Ramses, there's like, but there was a bunch of Ramses. Well, Ramses, not. Uh, like, Cleopatra's up there with King Tut, and that's because of Elizabeth Taylor. But otherwise... Maybe, maybe it's those two. Maybe those are the top two. Maybe, maybe. So because he was an unremarkable leader, relatively speaking, he had a rather pokey tomb that bore all of the hallmarks of a hasty and unexpected burial entered as he was at the age of 19. Young boy. I like, I like how they're like, oh God, we got to throw some dirt on him. ASAP. Quick, let's build four rooms filled right, with right, thousands right. of objects and three other coffins. One of which is gold. Let's build go, us a go, gold go. coffin <laughs> hastily, my men. But the level of decadence given even to this pharaoh in death hinted at what might have been bestowed upon grander leaders like Ramses II, whose cavernous tombs were emptied by thieves centuries before archaeologists came looking. And I read that and I thought for a second... Thank God it wasn't just the Brits. Like, thank God that there were other people during the time, like other oh, Egyptians, sure. who were like, he's dead. You don't need that. Come on. Give us the gold. Well, sure. We're going mean, go to go to take this gold. Right. Which is, like, totally fair. I'm like, I am not opposed to you stealing from a pharaoh's tomb. He doesn't need it. He doesn't need it. No, no, no. What I'm opposed to is stealing from a pharaoh's tomb 
as another country and not allowing the home country to have their own history. Oh, like, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. That's, yes. what I, that's what I'm opposed to. At the time of the discovery, King Tut quickly became a symbol of Egyptian identity. Now more than 5,000 treasures from King Tut's tomb will be the centerpiece of a grand new Egyptian museum, and more and more Egyptians are directing archaeological work being done in the country. So, like, they're finally, like, starting to reclaim. Yeah. Well, because the British came in and they were like, we are going to do this. And it's, you, you know, you're you're not involved. No. Really. No. Egypt, you're not involved. We, we're financing this and you have no say if we do, you know, like, it doesn't matter if you approve of this or not, really. And now Egypt's like, no, we're going to, like, you have to now, we're now doing this. This is our right. thing. Right. Right. In some ways, King Tut was an influential pharaoh, restoring the importance of gods that his predecessor had dismissed. But he had a very, <laughs> mm-hmm, he was like, I like the gods, bring yeah, them back. I, I love the guy, his predecessor. The god thing is not it. You're, you can see yourself out. Yeah. <laughs> but he had a very short rule and did not feature prominently in the historical record. He is now globally famous 3,000 years after his death because his tomb was so marvelous and so complete. You know what? I Okay. He's, he is known. He is taught. We learned about this king in grade school because yeah. of nothing that he did, of what, no. any, what everybody else did for his tomb. Right. Like, he didn't even have a hand in that. No, no. He just laid there. He did nothing. I love him. This is a legend. This is a legend. Go off, King Tut. Go <laughs> off. All right, let's talk about Howard Carter, the guy at the center of this whole shebang bang. The guy who found the step. The guy who found the step. Mm-hmm. Good gosh. Born in Kensington in 1874, Howard Carter was from a generational family of artists, same, mm-hmm. who worked around the Norfolk town of Swaffham. His father, Samuel John, had relocated to London and become a modestly successful painter. <laughs> I I love it. A modestly successful painter modestly is successful. the only goal, the only goal anybody should have. Learning artistic skills from his father, he was almost certainly destined to follow a similar path were it not for an acquaintance with the wealthy Amherst family and their enthusiasm for antiquities and artistic ephemera from Egypt, with which the young Carter became fascinated. So he Mm -hmm. is going to be the next knockoff Monet, but... And shimmies in the Amherst family, who's like, Do you, have you ever heard of ancient Egypt? And he's, and like, he's like, no. no. <laughs> They're like, hold, hold on to your, to your canvas, Howard. Mm-hmm. You're about to have your mind blown. Which I get. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh yeah, oh, in eighteen Hamanisha, right? The, the ancient Egypt would be wildly fascinating. So this led to his intoxication with the country and his first assignment there as a junior droughtsman under the tutelage of archaeologist Percy Newberry in 1890 at the age of 16. He started young. Young. He's like, go dig in some dirt over there Mm -hmm. in ancient Egypt. 
Carter made several significant early finds, including, oh, you've got, you've got me saying all of the names, including the tombs of Thutmose IV and Hatshepsut, the latter in 1903, within chamber KV60 in the Valley of Kings, yielding a mummy many today believe to be the great queen herself. So at like 17, 18 years old, this guy finds a mummy queen. Queen. I kind of love the parallels between him and King Tut. Like early. I know. This would be a great, a great like. Interwoven parallel. This would be a great movie. Yeah. Interwoven parallel. Yeah. Parallel movie. Ah, I see it. We're our, 2023, we're already writing the movie. We're already oh my, writing, we're writing the movie. Carter's work, even then, was that of a methodical and tenacious excavator. So he's like 17 years old. Like, mm-hmm. we're going to we are gonna get this tomb. We're mm-hmm. going to get this, mommy, if it's the last thing we do. <laughs> a turning point came in 1907 when he formed an alliance, perfect, with George Herbert, otherwise known as the Fifth Earl of Carnarvon. A socialite, aristocrat, and enthusiast of all things Egypt. Hell yes. I mean, that I, if my friends had to describe me, <laughs> it, I think that's about what they would say. They would say, she's, an, she's a socialite. She's Absolutely. an aristocrat. And Absolutely. above all, she is an enthusiast of all things Egypt. Correct. That is how I describe you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. In Lord Carnarvon, Carter found... A financier, the yeah. money bags, the I guy who's going to give him the money to ah. keep excavating with tenacity. Yeah. World War I saw Carter remain in Egypt, engaging in intermittent service in intelligence as a translator and communications courier. There then followed four years of systematic searching for a tomb of an obscure pharaoh named Tutankhamun, which, from pottery fragments bearing his name, found in 1909, Carter was doggedly convinced lay unfound. This is what I love. Mm -hmm. Carter sees a vase. Mm -hmm. And in that vase, he sees... That there is another king. And that vase is telling him he's still out there. He's still out there. He has not yet he's been still out there. discovered. And and that vase becomes his North Star. Yep. For this tomb. Yep. Obsessed. Yeah. Obsessed. I mean, don't let your dreams go. Mm-mm. Trust the vase. Mm-hmm. Trust the bowls. Believe trust, in the vase. Trust the crockery. Trust mm-hmm. it all. This fruitless but persistent searching would have enough to sear both Carter and Carnarvon's names as a footnote in the history of Egyptology. As history proved, their discovery in November of 1922 would grant them worldwide fame. Yeah. Yeah. Don't give up. Be relentless. Look at the pottery and be relentless. Mm-hmm. We're going to take a quick break for a little word from our sponsors. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. 
And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. GZM Shows and the creators of Six Minutes are rolling out their newest audio adventure with the podcast Discovering Dad. A cautious single dad with a secret past and his rebellious kids embark on a thrilling quest complete with hidden treasure, villains, and a family curse. New episodes of Discovering Dad roll out weekly starting June 11th on Apple Podcasts. Follow the show so you never miss an episode or listen early and ad-free as a GZM Show subscriber. Go to gzmshows.com to learn more. So let's talk about how King Tut's tomb was discovered. The tomb of Tutankhamun was near the center of a crowded pharaoh's graveyard called the Valley of the Kings. Love it. Which is west of the city of Thebes. Unlike pyramid burials that announced the presence of great treasures, these tombs were often covered over to protect them from discovery by looters. They were not a stupid people. Mm-mm. They were like, we got gold. Mm-hmm, they're we golden got a here. Gold coffin. Tut's tomb was eventually found under more than 150,000 tons of rocks, including debris from a tomb dug into the hillside above his. The search for Tutankhamun was a true believer's quest. Experts of the day asserted that every tomb in the valley had either been raided in antiquity or uncovered more recently by archaeologists. They were like, it's all been found. What are you doing? There's nothing it's left. not there. There's nothing, there's nothing left. left. It's all gone. This is, a, this is a fool's errand. We've already... Fool's errand. They've, look, the ancient Egypt Egyptians have already gotten to it and or the Brits have already gotten to the it. Brit- no, somebody's way, gotten it. it. There's nothing left. There's nothing there. Why are you wasting your time? This is a great example of the phrase, leave no stone unturned. A stone, 150,000 tons of rocks. You Boom. have at it. Boom. You have it. Mm-hmm. Let nothing stand in your way. An unimpressive site misidentified as Tut's tomb was among those that had been excavated. Tut also seemed to have been a minor pharaoh, but with only a few artifacts and the surviving record bearing his name. So they were also under the impression that, like, because he wasn't that important, they had kind of already found something that was probably his tomb. Hmm. It happens, you know? It happens, you think you, know? you think something is one thing, and it turns out it's actually not King it's Tut's not tomb. It's not that thing. It's not Tutankhamun. It's not that thing. 
And you got to keep common. searching. That's not too uncommon. Howard Carter went against the prevailing opinion and kept up the search. Carter dug for years, including dur- during World War I, nearly losing the faith and funding of his English benefactor, dun, 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 the Earl of Carnarvon. Then, in November of 1922, just days after starting what was to be the final year of excavations, the team found the top step of a staircase leading down to the tomb. I love this step. I know. I love a step. I love I love that history is marking, not when they like put their eyes on his tomb, but when they found the step. Yes. Because that's, that's, that's the step that changed history. Change history. Mm-hmm. The door the team excavated at the base of the stairs was sealed shut, but the tomb had been broken into twice. The robberies had taken place shortly after the burial, some 3,000 years prior to the discovery by Carter, with thieves stealing mostly smaller objects, such as precious stone beads. Sure. Sure. Ancient officials had patched the openings in the outer door with plaster and imprinted it with new seals after the last breach, which the pictures of this are really cool because it's like they, they have pictures of the seals online and it's. I mean, I'm sure it's not wax, but I mean, maybe it is. But it, it looks like some kind of, you know, like seal you would put on the, bo- the back of an envelope. Mm-hmm. And it has like an emblem in it. And the you can see that the seal hasn't come apart from the door. Mm-hmm. But the seal is cracked like horizontally rather than laterally. Or sorry, horizontally rather than vertically where the seal of the door would be. But mm-hmm. just like over time, it has this little crack in it, which is cool. Because you're <laughs> like, okay, no, nobody got in, but it cracked over time. I love that it's like it's it reminds me of, you know, things that you like a freshness seal where it's like mm-hmm. if the seal's broken, don't consume it. Right, That's right, right. That's what they kind of did with his tomb. They're like, yeah, this if this seal is intact, you know that it is fresh, fresh. It is a fresh tomb. Mm-hmm. An inner door down a sloping corridor had also been broken and resealed. In the first room Carter opened, called an antechamber, many precious items were arranged precariously, likely restacked in a hurry by officials restoring the tomb after the final robbery. I love that they're like, put it back, just put it back, just put it just, back. Just, we just gotta get out, we gotta get out, we gotta get out. Get back, put it back. We can't, we can't, we can't linger. Yeah, we can't linger with it. The grandeur of the contents were nonetheless far beyond Carter's expectations. Upon his first glance into the room, he declared it, quote, wonderful. Wonderful. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> okay. 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 Pause. 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 You've been looking for this tomb for let's call it a decade, give or take. Sure. Easy. I can't do that math right now. My no. my tongue is lead. Yeah. You've been doing you've been doing this for many years. You find the step. You you're like it's happening. It's it's finally happening. Like you've reached you've reached your you know your holy grail. You walk in and you go. Wonderful. <laughs> Absolutely wonderful. <laughs> not like magnificent, not not unbelievable. No. Wonderful. Wonderful. They call me wonderful. It's like, like what a what an adjective. Yes. There was another I don't think I put it in here, but in like in one of the other articles I read, it had this great description of like he he poked into the stone with an iron stick and Mm. then like held up the candle 
and looked through the hole, like kind of peer, like used the light and peered into the hole. And like, he could see the treasures and the, they were glistening in the mist. And like, it was a great, it was, a, it was made it much more, much more vivid exciting than just like, than just like a, oh, it's wonderful. Nice. Nice. <laughs> so once the mist had cleared, he could see by flashlight the many, quote, strange animals, statues, and gold. Everywhere the glint of gold, close quote. Everywhere is gold. Everything is gold. Carter extended techniques he had learned in previous work and set a new bar for meticulousness and comprehensiveness. Okay, go off, Carter. Mm-hmm. Electric lighting, at the time an innovative tool, was installed in the tomb before Harry Burton the world's most accomplished archaeological photographer, recorded every scene. Numbered cards were placed by individual artifacts in photos before any object was moved, and Carter took detailed notes and sketches before packing up the inventoried treasures. So they're like, let's run a little bit of lighting in here. Let's mm -hmm. get the photos. Let's, let's just make sure we have everything documented. Documentation, documentation, documentation. It's like the original crime scene forensics. Like, I know. That's kind of what it place feels card, like. card, evidence, yeah. photo, yeah. wrap it up. Now we take it home. Nearly intact, the tomb provided unmatched insight into this moment in Egyptian history. Chariots, weapons, clothing, and artwork reflected methods of warfare and who Egypt saw as its enemies. Murals illustrated religious beliefs including a restored reverence for Amun, which Tut's predecessor had diminished. So this is the dismissal of the gods. Tut's like, no, no, no. No, bring them bring back. Bring them back. back. I love the gods. I love a god. We love the gods. The undisturbed coffins helped archaeologists better understand the elaborate burial practices. Yeah. Unlike many discoveries found in Egypt, Tut's treasures didn't leave the country. Lord Carnarvon had expected to claim a large share of the antiquities, as was customary for most excavations. In part because of Carter's irascible personality, but largely because Egypt was asserting its independence from England at the time of the discovery, the government instead insisted that they all remain in Egypt. Yeah. Good for Egypt. They're like, you've, you've gotten... All of the other ones. You have all of our stuff. We get all to keep this one. All of the one. other ones. You can't have this one. You no. cannot have this one. And this brings me to my unauthorized fun fact, fun fact, yes. fun fact, fun fact, fun fact, which is the curse. Oh, yes, the curse. So this is, this source is coming from, you guessed it, National Geographic. Yes. An article by Brian Handwork. So first and foremost, the good news is I'm not making this up. So there's this curse myth that there's a curse that you can believe or not believe. It's kind of like the exorcist curse, the movie, the exorcist, where like a lot of people fell oh. ill or died early, like that sort of thing. Right. That's exactly what happened here. Which oh. is several people involved in the discovery of King Tut's tomb met some ill fates. One of the people who fell to the quote-unquote curse, was uh -huh. Lord Carnarvon himself. Oh, isn't it? He died of blood poisoning 
which I don't even know what that means, but he died of blood poisoning. Wow. Two months. Two months after they found Wow. Wow. After I think they opened the tomb. Yeah. When they opened the burial chamber. Two months later, Lord Carnarvon died. Oh. Blood poisoning found, and I've got it, from an infected mosquito bite on his cheek. What? Mm Mm-hmm. That's crazy. That's something that could happen now. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. That's so weird. And six of the 26 people who were present when the tomb was opened died within a decade. However, Carter, the guy, like Howard Carter, he ended up living until 1939, which is about 20 years after the tomb was open. But I feel like six out of 26 people dying within 10, that's like they didn't have medicine. Do you know what I mean? Like, that seems normal. Is it? I I, I don't know. I I don't know. know. I feel like that's a good, uh, you know. This is one of the one of the sort of like it's not a curse. It might be something else. Is that there's some suggestions that it might have been actual toxins. Oh so sure. Apparently there might there might have been tomb toxins. Um, because the there's the question of like can sealed tombs have dangerous. Mm. things that have like been percolating in them so when people come in there you know and they breathe it in it causes people and again people who may not be in good health because it's you know the early 1900s oh my god to fall leaching yeah it could be i mean because again like where does blood poisoning come from i don't know this isn't a medical podcast but also tombs carry mold they carry like bacteria so it could it could have been it could be something like that Right, but right, right. along with King Tut's tomb is the curse of King Tut's tomb Ooh. because I think probably Lauren Canavan was like the most prominent of the people who died pretty suddenly. Sure, but that's kind of I think he his death being so close to when it was opened is what really put sure. forward this idea of the curse. Yeah, the curse. So that's that's my unauthorized. Um, patchy uh, fun fact on the curse of King Tut's tomb, which is mostly like one guy got a mosquito bite and died. And then within 10 years later, six more people died. And they were like, hold on, hold on. Hold on. The common thread is mm-hmm. King Tut. Gotta be a curse, man. It gotta yeah. be a curse. Gotta be a curse. Gotta be a curse. So I don't know. I love, I love the idea of a curse. I really do. Mm-hmm. Especially a curse for a tomb for an 18-year-old king who did arguably not much. Nothing. No, no, no. You know? It's yep. not it's not in the big it's not a it's not Ramsey's tomb. No. No, no. You know? This was not a prolific young gentleman. Yeah. Somebody and also because it seems as though King Tut died rather unexpectedly. Yeah. And there was a hasty burial. I'm like, you mean to tell me in this hasty burial they also found time for a curse? <laughs> I just I don't know a lot it. about stack the gold, stack the just put it over there and ba ba da be ba da shoot light the candle, hamana shimana ba da be ba da boo cursed. I'm not I am not a expert on ancient Egypt and much less ancient Egyptian curses, but I would imagine it's not something you would do in haste. No no no, I feel like that's something you don't want to fuck up. 
So with with the curse and with that said, that is the end of our King Tut's Tombs episode. A lot of ta ta tas Welcome to 2023, y'all, where we are just expanding what it means to be civical, to be historical. If you have fun things that you learned about when you were in grade school, a la King Tut's Tomb, DM us, find us. I want to do it. I love I love doing these types of episodes because there is such a nostalgia factor to it where it's like, wait a second. Oh, hell yeah. Let me let me learn about this as an adult. And and let me wrap my head around the fact that we learned about a kid who did literally nothing because somebody discovered his tomb after discovering all the other tombs. Right. It was the last tomb to be discovered and it was pretty. That's that's why we spent like six weeks on this, you know? Mm-hmm. That's why. Perfect. Perfect. So let us know if you want us to do your elementary school, whatever that you learned about, and we will do it. You know, we love Nat Geo for kids. Let's go. <laughs> but with that said, we love you so, so much. And as always, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Let's Get Civical. Like we said at the top, it's 2023. It's a new year. Please rate, review, and subscribe to us. We love you so, so much, and we will see you next Wednesday. Goodbye. Talmor is my home. My family have worked the land for generations. My gran says the island does not belong to us, but we belong to the island. And we must be ready, for a great evil is coming. And death follows with it. Listen and subscribe to the latest season of Undertow, The Harrowing, a Storyglass production presented by Realm, available wherever you get your podcasts.